Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only and longest-running Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. My name is Mitchell Nelson, and every week, alongside my partner Brandon Hobbs, we're bringing you on-the-set stories and hidden lore of TNG, even some data on occasion. Brandon, how are you doing today? Doing, uh, doing okay, Mitch. Yeah? Um... We have we have quite the episode to talk about this week. We do, we do. Um, which I've been excited for ever since I watched it. It's been a very thrilling, oh geez, almost seven hours now waiting to talk about mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we get to see for the first time on screen the destruction of the USS Enterprise. The first of many, as it the were. The first of many, yes, um, and also. Almost not even the first because the Yamato was destroyed and it's basically the same ship. It, they are it was sisters. destroyed twice. So yeah, they're twins. So, um, but semantically, it's it's a big first. But we'll, we'll have plenty of time to get into that. But but before we start talking about this week's episode, I have to make it make sure. Do we have any um, public apologies that we have to do this week? I, I don't want to forget um, any. <clears throat> Did we uh, did we DM anyone this week? I don't think we DM'd anyone this week, especially um, nothing. No illicit pictures were sent out this week. Not this week, yeah, no. yeah. Um, um, we we made sure to mention everyone, right, in our tweets. We didn't forget anyone. I think. Okay. Okay, that's good. You made that donation, right? Oh, to um. God, what was it? Um, it was the uh, breast cancer research, some breast cancer research agency. Shit, no, I didn't make that donation. That was part of your apology circuit. Uh... Well, I, I I donated to uh to to Trekkers Without Borders. Oh, well, that's good. I yeah. we did. You know, we had to put our money where our mouth was after we insisted that. You know, we made the argument, you know, foolishly that uh, the importance of the border, the borders in the world. Yeah. And, yes. Uh, we're sorry yeah. so again. It, we're it, sorry. It is thematically, thematically correct, I think. So right. um, that should go a long way, I think, in, in kind of proving that uh, that's not who we are. Yeah. Yeah. The, I'm, I'm sure your $15 will make a big difference. In, it was... Uh, it was twenty five, Mitch. Oh, sorry, sorry. In the fight, in the fight against borders by trekkers, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. who what, what is, what is uh, curiously have nothing to do with Star Trek. I I came to find out. Right. What is? I know that's a French um, organization. What's the What's the French name again? Uh, les trekkers sin sin sin. What is it? Frontier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Frontier. Yeah, that's right. Le Trek Yonke sans frontier. Oh, keep that that's up. It. We might have to make a donation to France. 
but we got it we got it yeah so um you know in case there's any french speakers that's that's how you can look them up and i i encourage you to um donate definitely donate under the ready room name if you can mm. um you'll be supporting us it you will um uh, get a sense of satisfaction from it when you so. when you donate um just type in the code readier and you'll get 15% off your donation mhm mm yeah they they match it to some degree mhm mm match game right. they, they 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 donate to themselves <laughs> to some degree well a nonprofit any profit they do make cannot be a profit so they have to put it back into the system oh that's how it's supposed to work indeed how, is that how it always works? I don't know. I don't want to. Probably not. I don't want to have to make another public apology. But <laughs> maybe do your own research. Mm-hmm. Go to Google. Type in what what stocks were shorted on September tenth, two thousand one. Um, you know, let's go find mm -hmm, it out. Mm -hmm. Any, so it's public knowledge. Anyway. Anyway. Um. Anyway. With our apology circuit wrapped up. For the week, it's always exciting to see what a new brick we what a new week brings, you know, in mm -hmm. in, in this uh, this arena. But um, also brought on by the advents of a new week is a new question of the week, asked yeah asked by our lovely, handsome, beautiful ensigns, one at a time, lined up in a queue, and for the solitary microphone that uh that is the way we hear them. I'm so, sorry, Mitch. Did you say? Did you say Q? Oh, I did say. Did you say Q? I said Q. Oh I, I you said Q. I was the first one to say Q this week. I I know. I I lost oh, the bet. We need a sound bite for this. The Q alarm. We um. Do you know um? Q alert. You know Kill Bill. I know of it. Do you know the the siren that plays in that movie? Should yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Q yeah. Q, 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 Q. Q. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, we need to uh next time. Next time we'll we'll be on that. Yes. Well, you've won the bet this week. Mm-hmm. So I'll make a donation to you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I'll have my uh I'll have my twenty-five dollars back. Uh, and then some. Mm-hmm. And then some. <laughs> yes, we'll we'll add it together and then we'll have a sum. So, mm -hmm. this week's question of the week comes from, actually, a name you might recognize and a name the people at home might recognize. Comes from famed actor Jim Paulson, who's apparently oh. a fan. Wow. No way. Way. I mean, I didn't believe it either until I, you know, opened this up and I did some fact checking, but it's on the level. That's nuts. Yeah. Wow, I'm, I'm honored. Same, same. It's, uh, it's just... Uh, an example of our insane outreach that the Ready Room yeah, has. It, it does. It does go to show uh, how much we're actually doing here, which is nice. Yes. So Jim asks, "Hello, admirals. What does a pro have to do to get a role on Picard too? Thanks for everything you do, Ensign Paulson." All right. Well, I'm I, I I'm so reluctant to deliver bad news to um, somebody so accomplished. As Jim Paulson. Mm. However, the shooting for Picard Two is 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 dead and done. Um, it is finished. There's no way to get a role there. However, Jim, 
you play your cards right, you can get involved in the next uh, extra TNG adaptation. It's not going to be Picard 3, and I don't want to say too much about it. Um, but I'll just say if you're a fan of Data and Worf, be, be on the lookout. If you're a fan of the Odd mm. Couple, be on the mm. I'm saying a little too much. Don't want to give it all away. But Yeah, yeah. Uh... Sounds like sounds like a little bit of dwarf action. Indeed, is, is going to be coming our way. Indeed, you know, dwarf is a good coded word to use. Jim, if you're into dwarf mm-hmm. and you want to work for dwarf, call us. Give us a call. We'll hook you up. I mean, you're an ensign. We'll do anything we can for you. Um, and I'm sure this this production that may or may not exist. And again, I can't say too much. Um, we'll be happy to have you. That is, uh, that's nuts. You know, the last time I saw him, mm-hmm. God, it must have been seven or eight years ago. It's been at a, a coffee shop. Really? I haven't heard mm-hmm. this story. Yeah, well, it's not much of a story. Um, he does order drinks with almond milk in them, though. Did they have almond milk eight years ago? Yeah, yeah, you're just slow on the uptake, Mitch. I am. I am, you know, I... You're not uh, trendy like the rest of us. Well, I've always heard that expression, like it's trying to squeeze milk from an almond, and I was mm-hmm. very surprised yeah, to yeah. find that's a real thing. Well, you, you know, and, and this is something people always say, is that, there, you know, there's really not a lot of almonds in almond milk. Uh, so, you know, what's the point, kind of? Right, well, I guess nobody wants a chunky milk. I, yeah. I've, I've said too much. I... I guess you can't uh, you can't liquidize an almond, can you? No, no. This is this is also on the verge of metaphor. So it should it should strike anyone as as being uh, problematic in some way if there were a lot of almonds and almond milk. Yes, I bought- because then that would have been evidence of of I don't know some kind of foul play or black magic. Well, how about this? People will drink orange juice that has pulp in it. Mm-hmm. So, it's... Yeah, but that's different. Because because juice naturally comes from the orange, you know? You don't you don't take almonds and squeeze them and then liquid comes out, you know? All right, well, how about this? What is pasteurization? Because I hear a lot about milk being pasteurized. Uh-huh. And... What, is, what is pasteurization if not the withdrawal... Of the uh, proverbial almond. Indeed. And mm. if milk is to be pasteurized, I don't see why the general public can't just pick an almond shell out of their mouth when they're drinking milk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's texture. You raised a fair point. Yeah. And it, yeah. And yeah. that's a thing that I find, um, you know, as a society, we are becoming infantilized to the point that i think in maybe 50 years we're all just going to be eating slop Mm. with zero texture to it uh you ever talk to uh (laughs) i don't want to single anyone out here but this is kind of a woman thing Oof. but uh you ever talk to someone and they say you know i i can't eat that the texture is too much for me yes i i hear this i hear this quite often in regards to um a lot of people with raw fish. Mm. A lot of people, and it doesn't really make much sense, does it? No, I mean, it does not. It's it, you know you, you you're shoving it down your gullet. You're not uh, mm-hmm. you're not making love to it. 
Right, right. <laughs> That's exactly how I would have said that. Yes. Uh, it, uh, suffice to say, it bothers me. Um, now, is, is there, are there any foods that you will eat, but you're not a fan of the texture of? Because obviously oh. it's not going to stop you from eating something, but do you, do you ever eat anything and you think, oh, this, the mouthfeel of this is not so pleasurable? I would say, well, I mean, I, I got to go with the low-hanging fruit, non-kotsu. Oh my goodness, that's... I'm not a huge fan of. I The thing to me is that that's a feature, not a bug. Like, I, I, sure. love, I love how that feels to, like, chew on and swish around <laughs> in your mouth. Yeah, I, I can see it having that appeal, but uh, to me, I don't know, it's just, it doesn't do it for me. But I, I, I would eat it, you know, if it was the last thing on the table. And that was all I could eat, I'd eat it. For me, the last thing on the table is usually the plate. But anyway, mm -hmm. um, if I had to single a food out for the texture, and I'll still eat it, it would be something like natto. Where I know that that's like, that's oh, low-hanging yeah. fruit. Um, yeah, that's how it's kind of snotty. But... Yeah. Now, I've had this conversation with many people, and I'll have it with you right now. Maybe we've had it before. Do you think Probably. That, do you think that natto tastes vaguely like coffee? You know, I haven't had natto in probably six years. I see. So, I've I gen generally try to avoid it. Why did you have it recently? Yeah, I've had it recently. Well, not so recently. I guess it's been a few months, but um, mm. every time I I eat it, I think it's fine. I'm not like a big fan of it, but whatever. I get the overwhelming sensation that it tastes like coffee, and I know both. Natto and coffee are bean-based. They're bean-based foodstuffs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it just has... It's. I mean, the taste isn't exactly the same, but it's got a very coffee afterbirth. After... Well, taste. so after afterbirth. So, so natto is soy-based. Mm. So the question is, is are soy and coffee related? They might be cousins. Should we, should we look it up? Uh, yeah, we don't have anything better to do. Is 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 natto the the body double for coffee? Are soy and coffee related? Is coffee made from soybeans? Well, the coffee itself is soy free. Anything you add to it might not be. Oh, well, that's, I never knew that. That's that's very um, very thorough writing. Um, well, I'm not getting anything from a cursory Google search, so I say we give up. Mm. I usually Google searches are easier if you use the keyboard and not the cursor, but I, I also found nothing. So, mm -hmm. um, what I, what I'm getting from all of this is that Jim Paulson likes his almond milk. Yes, that's right. Yep, yep. To go back to the original story, I saw him drinking um, an almond milk cappuccino seven years ago. Hmm. Um, I fished the cup out of the garbage after he was done with it, and I sold it on eBay. What'd you get? Uh, a pretty penny. I don't want to go into, you know, too many detailed numbers here, but uh, you know, lest I upset the market. That's true. That's true. Um, I just want to point out to everybody, we're not financial advisors. Um, don't take our advice. If you need, mm -hmm. please seek out a professional financial advisor. Um, that's right. Again, we're not sponsored by selling Jim Paulson's coffee cups. Mm-hmm.
Oh, that's good. And I'm glad that you have this little side hustle going on. Yeah, well, not not so much anymore because we started the podcast and that, you know, we're kind of right. We're doing well for ourselves now. But um, it's, it's, it's true what they say, you know, when you want to make it in this business, it takes a long time. Yeah, I mean, everyone, the amount of effort that everyone needs to put in is quite high. And there's never a moment where you can not be vigilant. You know, you're just getting mm-hmm. you're getting a latte. You see someone in, in, in this this tinsel town of ours, someone famous, you got to squeeze every bit of worth you can from them. Yeah, like an almond, like like an almond. And Jim, mm-hmm. thank you for your question. If you again take us up on our offer, we'll hook you up with that almond milk on the set of um, "quote unquote" dwarf. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking forward to hearing from you. Okay, so that'll about do it for our question of the week. I want to remind everybody: if you would like to ask your own question of the week, send us an email at theradioroom at gmail.com with capital T, two capital R's, or you can tweet at us at the Radio Room with your questions. We'll answer them once a week on the show if they're good. Okay, so with that preamble out of the way, we're going to talk about this week's episode, which is season two, episode twelve. Mm-hmm. Times squared. Times times square. Times square. Times square. Times New Roman. Times queer. Oh. You you really think that about the magazine? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean it's that's I mean that is a compliment, of course. Right. Nowadays it's, it's, it's uh... you reclaimed that that mm. slur. Yeah, well, we have, you know, yes. our, our whole culture has. So. Indeed, indeed. Uh, but let's let's not get into that. Uh, what did you think of Times Squared? Loved it, loved it. Okay, I um thought this was a particularly strong episode, and for the most part, I what I liked about it the most, um, I guess I would have to choose between the scenario and the writing of Picard himself. I thought both of those were very strong points. And as a as a complete package, the I think the episode worked very well. It I was very happy with it. Definitely on my top five of what we've watched so far. Mm. What did you think about it? Uh, I did not like it. Oh no! Very much. I <laughs> oh, thought it was no. extremely boring. I thought um, for whatever the narrative was and could have been, uh, mo- most of the episode was spent by characters hemming and hawing about what they should do um like that space balls bit where he says you're always preparing you know um a a lot of a lot of picard walking back and forth between medical bay and the bridge and um and then you know when when it gets down to the the final act and and picard has to make a decision on what to do it almost seems like he's forgotten everything, every rule about time loops, uh, which which we have just we've just gone through in the previous episode. Um, and then, uh, of course, Maurice wanted this this episode to lead into um, something like Q Who, where Q would have been kind of the mastermind behind this this whole time loop thing. Hmm. Um, and Gene didn't like that. Gene said no. So we end up with a conclusion that makes very little sense. It's very vague, and it's, I don't think it's vague in a way that uh, that prompts discussion or intrigue. I think it's just unnecessarily confusing. 
Well, or to, just to, to me, I thought that um, the conclusion made sense. It, it just unto itself. I, I haven't thought too deeply about it, and it's entirely possible that if I do, I'll reach a different conclusion. But just watching the episode as it as it as it happened to me, um, and I saw the conclusion, it's like okay, they, if Picard makes a different decision, the loop is broken under the assumption that this has looped many times before, and uh, that's yeah, yeah. that's enough. I guess I guess it's less that the episode doesn't make sense unto itself. It's less that than than it is just uh I I guess I wasn't satisfied with the logic behind behind that action um you know driving into the middle of a vortex hmm. uh, seems to solve their problem which I I just I don't think it's satisfying I don't think it's at all it's very vague it's it's vague and it doesn't reflect at all on any character's actions it it, it has no weight to it um, it's 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 like a binary. You you either drive into the middle of the vortex or you don't. Right. And there's there, there's nothing really learned from it. No, I, it's funny because this episode is kind of written um, to have a character arc for Picard when he doesn't really have mm-hmm. one in this episode. Yeah. Um, which I said I liked Picard's writing, and it's not because he's he has an arc or he is developed, but rather I think that a lot of the more quiet moments of the crew and Picard discussing the the problem. Picard displays mm-hmm. a very consistent leadership with with what he the character would eventually become as it's developed throughout the seasons. Mm-hmm. When you know, in many many recent episodes that we've watched, it, there's been a lot of oh well, these characters are acting ridiculous compared to <laughs> themselves. Um, I thought this was an early example of Picard being Picard. There's, yeah, I think you've got a case there. Yeah, there's one example in particular where I think it's the 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 meeting scene where Jordy has recovered the uh, the footage from the shuttle and shows everybody mm-hmm. the video of what happens, and um, they're faced with the destruction of the Enterprise, with the fact that this is going to happen in just a few hours, mm-hmm. and Picard is you know, extremely level headed about it, extremely logical, and while uh conceding the uh the direness of the situation still just shows us great picard like leadership and, you know i was like oh this is this is the picard i know fucking finally like goddamn mm. and uh yeah sure sure i think you're right about that that moment might only work so well because of having watched half of season 2 and all of season 1 before this like if you were to watch this just out of that context, you know, you'd be like, oh, whatever, it's Picard. That's how he always is. And mm-hmm. It's not that special. But um, yeah. for the context of the episode, I enjoyed that a lot. Okay, yeah. I don't disagree with you on that. I think uh, Picard's character is done justice here. I guess I guess I, I can't help but think that uh, it could could have been more interesting to see him interact with uh a version of himself um that uh that was that that felt so displaced like that Mm. um which you know i i also have to note while we're on the topic that um patrick stewart is actually guest starring in this episode as the future captain picard um in case people didn't notice for whatever reason um 
And, you know, that, that's always a difficult decision, having an actor play two different characters, right? Right. You know, you, you have you have Data and you have Lore. Um, you, have, you have Dr. Um, Dr. Noonien Sung, right? right. Uh, all, all, all Brent. Um, but uh, Patrick, I think, pulled it off with the Blom here. The most annoying part of whenever this happens is that the, the people responsible for, um, you know, making the script for the actors, get, getting the copies, they, they have to mm-hmm. get two copies for that actor. Right. One. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Because we employed sort of a method acting sort of sort of training, I guess you mm. might call it, where um, it was kind of just expected that when one actor played two characters, um, that actor himself would it, it would just be taken for granted that 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 he would on an offset be portraying um both the two characters and two different actors right right when we did the table reads uh there'd be two seats for that actor and depending on which yeah. line they were reading they'd have to go sit in the other seat at the table and that that of course changes based on whether the the guest character is kind of a main character or not right you know for uh for a lore, right? He's gonna he's gonna have a seat up at the head of the table with the main characters. But if if you have like a Doctor Soong, he's he's way on the other side, right? So so the actor would have to get up and walk all the way to the other side, which I guess from from a layperson's point of view, it's a little ridiculous. But um, actors I think are, that went a long way. Actors are a special breed. Um, I don't yeah. expect most people to understand, but that doesn't take away the validity of the approach. Yeah, yeah, uh, but just uh, I think that's just a, a, a fun little look into the the behind the scenes of um, of a lot of of what happened on the show actually because there's there's so many so many points where we have actors you know being used for multiple different roles you know right now there were still some times where both Picards needed to be on screen at the same time right right and despite his best efforts Patrick just wasn't that fast. So we were able to cast um, his cousin, Matrick, as the body double. And, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're pretty similar genetically, so you could barely tell it's not him in those scenes. Yes, yes. I was honestly kind of shocked watching it again because um, I completely missed it. Right. Um, it, it's just the, seamless. The, the scenes in sickbay. Yeah, it's, it's, we did an amazing job on that. Um, I was I was really tickled by it, but uh, I, I I mean I guess it really goes to show um, how how close they look, you know. Yes, Matrick is very Patrick esque. Very, you know, we could probably replace replace him as Picard, and uh, people people wouldn't even notice. I remember that uh, after this, Matrick was really just infatuated with the Hollywood process, and yeah. he he moved to L.A to be available right um right should this happen again now of course we never really ended up needing him again but uh it was nice that he he tried to accommodate the, sh- the potential futures of the show needing him yeah well you know his his issue was that by this point he had been living in america for so long he lost the british accent mm. so and for whatever reason he just couldn't get it back um he, he he talked kind of funny so there was really limited capacity in which we could use him 
Now, I remember that uh, Patrick, every day he would watch an hour of Black Adder just to retain his accents, just to hear it. Right, right. And oh, he loved Black Adder. Loved it. He uh, he insisted on us bringing, what was it, Rowan, Rowan Atkinson on, mm-hmm. onto TNG. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, I kept telling him, Patrick, this is not a comedy show. And he said, he'll, right. he'll do it, he'll do it, he'll do it. But um, when we called up Rowan's agent, we got a very, very um, rather hurtful and strongly worded message uh, about, quote, oh. that sci-fi bullshit. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I didn't have the heart to tell Patrick, and I didn't want to tell most people in case it get out to him. But yeah, uh, that, that I guess now's the time. That battleship was scuttled very quickly. Now, do you think that's that was just his his agent's opinion, or no? It's because he he. I remember he said, um, he's relaying Rowan's message, and he used the phrase, uh. and I quote. So ah, yeah, that that, uh, that does kind of do away with any ambiguity, doesn't it? Yeah. And the worst part is that Rowan Atkinson thought it appropriate to at some point in his career um, do the film Rat Race. But TNG was beneath him. So, right. So what does that right. say about us? You know, we got a lot of a lot of that kind of attitude starting off. Uh, and I guess we still do today. Indeed. Indeed. You say track and people just fall asleep. Mm hmm. It's a damn shame. A goddamn shame. A GD so, shame. What? Uh, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll pass on making a joke there. Um, <laughs> you should do that do more think, often. What do, you, <laughs> <laughs> what do you think the texture of Riker's eggs was like? Um, I think it, they would be soggy. They looked wet. and uh, they, looked, they looked somehow overcooked at the same time. The color was off, certainly. Yeah. They were very white. Yes. Just dull. So, I blame this all on John. Um, in t- 100%. I don't... I, mm. I, I, First of all, I know what eggs we got for this, and I know what ingredients he had available for this scene. Were, were, they, were they not alien eggs? They were not alien eggs. They were not from huh. Targus 4 or whatever. Um, okay. They were chicken eggs. And every you could have made a fine omelet. You know, we had all the fixins there. Had little bacon mm-hmm. bits, uh, some chopped onions, right? Anything you want. And this was specifically to accommodate John, because the first, the first, first of all, the first um, edition, I don't know, the first vision for that scene was that Riker would be making sushi, because sushi is something that has a very detailed um, way of making it approach yeah something that a replicator could conceivably not get right i mean we've all seen jiro dreams of sushi of course right 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 and john said no i can't do that didn't even bother to try so i can't do it mm-hmm. i won't mm-hmm. do it and uh, we're like okay so we rewrite it and um john's like i can make an omelet so we put omelets in there and we get them all this stuff and as soon as we start filming john just starts making fucking scrambled eggs Mm-hmm. Doesn't even bother to make an omelet. And and mind you, it's probably something like four eggs on a on a pan that he splits <laughs> between everyone. Yes. And we're all watching this behind the camera, because the first of all, they're reading the script as it's written. He says omelet. 
clearly not mm-hmm. making an omelet, and we we can't mm-hmm. just stop the scene, especially a scene like this where um, you know, you can't just stop something as it's cooking. You just have to yeah get your take. And I, you know, as soon as we cut, I said, "John, what are you doing? We're supposed to make an omelet." And he says, "It's just eggs. It's all eggs. It's fine. Don't worry about it." <laughs> just I, yeah. I don't think John has ever seen eaten an omelet in his life. I, I he must not have, and I, I think I think Joe just kind of decided it wasn't worth it. But now um, we have this continuity error, in, just yeah. right in the show. Well, I mean, maybe a future omelet is just scrambled eggs. Maybe, you know, but maybe, maybe it's evolved in that direction. This whole scene was bizarre to me. Even put taking that issue aside. Yeah. Okay, yeah. R- Riker's going to teach Worf, Pulaski, and Data something about cooking, and all four of them get together to eat breakfast? Right, they they all they all get together to eat scrambled eggs. I I do also want to note um this scene Lots of door opening and closing, which, you know, of course, got to give a shout out to the door guys. Love the um, door or, guys. You know, the, 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 the one who is still with us. Well, I'll, at I'll, least. I'll always refer to them as a pair. They're. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, you know, don't want to get too down, but but they had uh, a lot of work to do <laughs> in that scene um, because people were not entering, you know, all as a group. It was one at a time. Right. And they had to make sure we saw that. So. Uh, it's just one of those things that goes underappreciated, but yes, uh, for some reason, these characters have decided to all get together in Riker's room to watch him cook some eggs and then sit down and eat basically the equivalent of a single egg each. A single overcooked white egg. Yes. And, um, and Worf, Worf is an interesting line here as well um mm-hmm. that uh i mean it's interesting on its face and it's even more interesting audience when when you know what it was to begin with so so Worf says something about uh usually humans the woman shares in the cooking right and this was of course heavily toned down from the original um the original just took up so much time that the opening stinger wouldn't have cut till commercial to uh till i don't know like 10 minutes um, and we we tried moving the original um, line lines, I guess you would say, around a bit. Um, but we figured having Worf dropping truth bombs about gender roles, apropos of nothing, just while the <laughs> the Enterprise tumbled to its doom, probably would have detracted from the message. Um, and you know, as as you might expect, Gene was kind of kind of hurt by this, kind of hurt by the exclusion. Yeah. Of um. You know, another one of his kind of emotional, because this is this is what Gene would do is is he would work in his like emotional outbursts into the script. Star Trek was um, very and, much therapy for him. Yeah, yeah, it was cathartic for him. So when when we had to get rid of these one of these things, you know, every now and then, um, it it ended up being a fight, and you know, this this I I wouldn't be surprised if that was the reason why we didn't go with the original Q script. You know, he was just being vindictive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think at this point, Gene was really starting to feel TNG uh, slipping through his his hands, like trying to hold yes. on to water. Yeah. And yeah, you could tell there's always that kind of um, visceral reaction, like, oh, I'm going to try mm-hmm. even harder to to grasp it. But just like with water, the harder you grasp, the more of it um, slips out. 
you know. Which I you know, it's, it's a sad thing to watch. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but I hesitate to say it's unfortunate um, that Gene <laughs> did not retain the Iron Fist of on TNG yes. like he wanted. Well, we ended up with a much better show for it. So we did, we did. Now I would not have minded seeing this that version of the script, where the Enterprise is you know doing uh, barrel rolls as it's thrown around a uh, an energy vortex, and Worf's just grasping onto the console. Talking about, um, you know, gender roles and and all that, <laughs> D- divorce rates and yes, uh... <laughs> Captain. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it it would have been unique if nothing else, but alas, we got what we got, and uh, that that line ends right where it began in Riker's room, eating eggs. They don't even get to finish the eggs. No. No, because what happens? I I think they're just called out to the bridge for some reason. They are, right? Right. Uh, why? What, what What starts this? Because of the shuttle. The right. shuttle that's floating out. Okay, space. they find the shuttle. Now, here's yeah. the thing. You didn't like this episode, but tell me when they recover the shuttle and they find the Enterprise's um, mm-hmm. call sign. I, I don't know. It's the model number on yeah. it. That you you didn't think that that was a, a genuinely intriguing moment. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. It is like I have no problem <laughs> with the concept of this episode, and I I think this is kind of the case with most episodes I dislike. I mm. like the concept, but just not the execution. That's all. Well, at least we can agree on that. When I saw that, I I kind of like sat up in my seat a bit and I'm like, oh, ooh, yeah, what's happening? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, um, I you know this is another one of those episodes you just you just forget what happened in it. Because it's been so long, yeah. Um, it's been so yes. It's been you know so long since I watched it. I I thought when we started up, it was um, going to be a Troy's mother episode, and uh, ah. imagine my surprise when she was not in that shuttle. Right, right. I, I got no, my that would have been a good crossed. one. Yes. <laughs> um. Yeah. They they find a shuttle with Picard inside. Now I have a question for you, Mitch. It's a little philosophical. I'm I'm in. When you're referring to a clone, let's say it's you, your clone, and someone else in the room. When you're referring to that clone, do you call it him or me? Um, I, that's that's a him. If I ever knew one, it's really it's just too confusing. So, so the point of language is to be understood, right? Um, if it, I, I don't need you to go into that, <laughs> you, you prefaced this by saying a philosophical <laughs> question. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> So the point of language is to be understood, and while it might be more accurate to refer to both yourself and the clone as me or I or we, mm. us, I don't know, um, accuracy is going to lose out to comprehendability. Com- comprehensiveness? <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. I'm just Now not- I'm confused. Well, no, I'm, I'm just astounded at my... Uh, my lack of English ability. Comprehensiveness. It doesn't even sound right, though. It doesn't sound right. Because Compre- comprehensiveness is like, it's, it's when, when something is comprehensive, not, right, not, not when something is comprehendable. Right. So if comprehendable is a word. Comprehendability? That's what I said. Did you say that? I did. Well, anyway, c- comprehendability, regardless of its status <laughs> as a word, 
And yeah. you know what? This is kind of my point. Comprehensibility might not be a word, but both you and I understand what I mean by it. Look, you gotta, you gotta. This is this is not boding well for our Scrabble nights. <laughs> Look, you have to have an iron will to challenge me. It's uh, otherwise, it just doesn't matter. But yeah. Anyway, comprehensibility yes. is what matters. So yeah. when you when your clone is in the room and you say him, it's you, uh, your clone, and Irene. And yep. you say him, you know, Irene's going to know what you're talking about. And that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you say I, well, and she has to say, oh, do you mean you or do you mean clone? I was just a little taken aback that Picard didn't even hesitate. I think part of this, I think this is the one attempt at an arc Picard has in the episode. Because at the very end, once the other Picard is showing signs of life, or mm. signs of um, consciousness, I don't know. Picard, he sapiens. He, he, sapiens, he goes to say him, and then he stops and says, uh, the other Picard. Ah, okay, and, that's and, an interesting point. Yeah, and he kind of gives it a bit, uh, he recognizes its identity for the first time. Mm -hmm. And part this episode's trying to do things with um, Picard's reaction to the situation like there's that bit where pulaski doubts his leadership abilities in this moment mm -hmm. and part of this idea isn't really developed but it's supposed to be that picard is facing an existential stress from you know the nature of this situation impending yeah. death plus meeting himself and the possibility that he um was a coward and abandoned the ship like there's a lot of these these ideas are unspoken but implied and part of that is Picard not recognizing his clone's identity as somewhat of a mm -hmm. defense mechanism. It's, yes. It's very underdeveloped, but but it feels like it's there. Yes. Yes. You're right about that. That's, that's a really good point. So um, the language of it is playing into that. Mm-hmm. You're right. Wow. Very good, Mitch. Very good. Thank you. I've won the ruddier room for the week. All right. Good night, folks. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so they they do find the shuttle. Um, this this is a very door centric episode, is it not? Yeah, the shuttle doors also have their own um, their own story. If you if you're watching yeah. the episode and you, you there's this shot from inside the shuttle where the door opens and uh, I think it's Pulaski. And Riker looking in, it's it's some amount of people. Mm -hmm. Well, if you look at the door, you'll notice that it kind of moves up and then stops and then it opens more and then it stops and it opens a little more and it stops. <laughs> and the reason for this was that we had some new door opening technology used by our door guy. Mm -hmm. This one only took the one. And um, what he did was he hooked the door because it kind of opens in that I don't know, delorean style you know it opens up yeah he hooks yeah. He, he tied some line to it ran it through a pulley and had the other end on a fishing rod so he was uh -huh. able to, to reel in the door and that would open it up but the nature of how heavy the the prop door was and the fishing rod he couldn't really do it in one smooth motion so right. he just did his best to wind it up but what that enabled was a fully functioning vertically opening door without any kind of um i don't know motors or anything very very simple yeah. fix yeah it's it's uh it's a stunning piece of ingenuity really and 
it ends up kind of working because you know you can imagine the shuttle got a little banged up on its on its journey here yep yep um so you know it might not necessarily open as as quickly as a a normally functioning shuttle door would so i think it worked out pretty well um but it is a little conspicuous it is conspicuous uh it's i think you have to be engrossed in the show to notice it right if you're sitting there texting on your phone because you're not so into it you're not going to see it but right right you know if you're one of those people who sits an inch away from your television just taking it all in you're gonna you're gonna sit and point like what's what's with that door why is that happening yes yes and so they they call picard down because they find picard in the shuttle and on his way down picard grabs troy for some reason well everyone every single member of the principal crew has to show up in that shuttle bay for that scene <laughs> and they yeah, do i don't know if he he needed her to to tell him what the other picard was thinking or something before but he knew it was there. There's an interesting line that I, I want to get your opinion on here. Oh, boy. I'm in for this. He, I think he's talking to Data and Jordy, right? He says, I need to know what's on the shuttle's logs. And and here's my question. Mm-hmm. Would, would a Federation shuttle be carrying wood? Now, I think that certainly it has the ability to, right? They can yeah. take on somewhat of a load without... You know, well, because space has no gravity, right? So it's not going to be mm-hmm. weighed down. Um, but where do they get the wood? This, yeah, this I mean, that's question. the big question is, is where do they get it? What's it for? You know, is it some kind of emergency provisions? This is never expanded upon, except for no. the fact that Jordy and Data were somehow able to get a video file from, from the log. Right. So that, you know, that would also imply that they, the, the logs are some kind of storage medium now maybe they made biodegradable storage discs like oh yeah that could be like i i carved a floppy disc out of this and it's 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 kind of colloquial right right it's a log maybe that's how it started it started with logs and then as they moved away from that to a better material they kept the name ah okay so so it might not even be what we know is a log at all right. at this it, point. It could be a normal computer, but because at you know the first iterations of it were made from wood, they just keep the name log. You know, and that's that's the crazy thing about Star Trek. It's just it's so interesting to see this glimpse into the future, you know, where um it, you you kind of have to expect the unexpected, you know? Indeed. And you never you, you can never be fully prepared for what an episode of Star Trek is going to throw at you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yes, Data and Jordy do pull a video from those logs, and um, you'll you'll remember there was a great scene where they're in the shuttle trying to get it to work, and Data basically just says, "Do it backwards." Yes. Well, that, <laughs> there's a lot of that happening in this episode where things are just inexplicably reversed. They give yeah, <laughs> they give Picard a either the second Picard, they either give him a stimulant or a sedative and it has the opposite effect on him. Um, uh-huh. Jordy and Data trying to calibrate the, the power to the shuttle, they have to do that in reverse. It's never explained why these things happen that way other than just they came back through time. So, mm-hmm. of course that would happen. Yeah, it's 
I don't know. I don't know how believable it is, but uh, apparently there's some kind of theme here. And that never plays into the solution of no. the episode. No, it doesn't. Which it very easily could have. Right. Well, well, if we're talking about doing things in reverse, you know, the, the time loop is created by them trying to leave the vortex. Mm. Whereas when they do the opposite thing, they they're able to break the loop. Now, how about this? How would you feel about, quote unquote, our Picard? sacrificing himself to continue the loop which then enables previous picard to leave with the enterprise like if uh, if previous picard leaves again then the loop continues right. as it is but if new picard our picard instead goes in his place then that has an effect on the loop i guess that's not a terrible idea because what would what would be happening is our picard would you know become part of the loop and then get broken free from it when the next picard sacrifices himself exactly the implications would be much more interesting than oh picard vanished yeah it, it would be more interesting than picard killing himself now did he kill that other picard or did he just stun it him seemed like it seemed like he killed him yeah i mostly we just wanted to get a shot of um, picard getting shot by a phaser mm-hmm yeah, we, we had that one on the books for a while. Yeah, we would uh we took that, I don't know, three seconds clip and put it on its own videotape just to have to enjoy. <laughs> um one other thing I do want to note here is that uh, Pulaski, Dr. Pulaski does a lot of monitoring on this episode. Yes, her um she does a lot of ministrations. <laughs> she she monitors the bridge, she monitors the meeting. Um I guess all because she needs to stay with other Picard in in, sick in the sick bay but i didn't know she could monitor so much from sick bay now here's here's the thing why is why is the doctor a character in this show pulaski and to an extent crusher before her yeah both gates of course um why have this person this character pulaski has done very little throughout the first half of season two yeah, well, the, the Doctor character seems to exist at this point by necessity. We can't write mm. this 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 plot without having a sick bay and the Doctor to go along with it. So we'll just have a character rather than something more organic that actively plays into many plots, like like a Data or a Worf, who are easy to just put anywhere and fit into anything. And then that's the thing. To a degree, it is based on the fact that the original series had a doctor, so we need a doctor in this one. And even more so when, when Maurice um, got rid of the uh, the Crusher character in favor of Pulaski. Right. Um, she just became more and more of uh, an analog to the original series doctor character, right? Bones. Um, bones so yes you're right it is kind of just a necessity which is a shame because we've already talked about how good a character pulaski can be and crusher's good too of course yeah both of them are at their best when they're not just the doctor when yes crusher's going on about her past with picard when pulaski is having these um I don't know these these power struggles with Picard, you know, challenging. But that's authority. the thing. 
they're only the doctor when the, the plot necessitates a medical intervention. Right. Which which makes sense. I mean, not everyone can can perform, you know, medical procedures or whatever. I, I and think, I, I think it's better than than having a faceless doctor. You know what I mean? It's true. But I, I think the underlying problem here is that less attention is called to characters such as Worf, Data, um, Jordy, because they're more or less always on the bridge. You just see them in every episode. Mm-hmm. Even if it's not a Worf-heavy episode, you're going to have him saying that he armed the photon torpedoes or whatever. Yeah. So you're yeah. used to him. Whereas Pulaski is a doctor, um, whoever it may be at the time, they're only around when the plot needs them to be. And if they ever just show up, your your attention's like, oh, they're in this episode. I wonder what's going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a little bit rare that you see the doctor in an episode that the doctor is not in some way kind of uh, directly involved. And it's a little dissonant. Well, maybe dissonant's yes. not the right word, but it's it certainly stands out when that happens because you're primed to think that they are going to have a big role. And yeah. if they ever don't, it really stands out. And it's like, okay, I guess this person's just a doctor for, for right. now. Um, which is a problem inherent with non-bridge characters. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see that with Guinan as well. Yeah. Guinan is an even more interesting case because I think by virtue of being Whoopi, uh, <laughs> I know that sounds ridiculous, um, you you expect a lot. Because, you know, mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg is a good actress. She has a nice screen presence, and you just kind of want, you're wanting with that. So if, yeah. if Guinan ever just shows up, you're like, no, don't go, come back. Yes, yes. Not only that, but Guinan is one of the most powerful people on the ship, and um, it's it's often ridiculous to to watch long stretches of episodes without seeing her once when the crew is in perilous danger. Now, does Guinan have powers, or is she just sagely? I'm pretty sure she does. Or maybe she is just sage-like. I don't know. I'm pretty she, sure she does have powers. She did have the power to exist in 19th century U.S. without uh, having virulent racism hurled at her. Somehow, yes. Uh, I don't know. Should we look this up? Does Guinan have powers? Sure. Yeah. That's the kind of question the Radio Room is, was made to answer. Hold on. Does Guinan what have... are Guinan's powers? I just want to point out, does Guinan have powers was an autocomplete on Google search. So, yeah, um, it does talk about Q Who, where Q is disturbed by the presence of Guinan. Right. Guinan responds by raising her hands as if to cast, cast a magic spell of her own. I, I'm seeing this exact uh, page that you yes. are. Yes. It was the first result. And this, uh, is, this is a wonderful image. I wish the Ensigns could see it. Of both of these two looking ready to attack one another. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg's kind of posing like a, like a cat. You know, mm-hmm. bird, claw you, meow. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I, I guess this is never expanded upon at all. Uh, Brandon, what did the cat say when it got hurt? Uh, meow. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, Guinan may or may not have powers, but she is um, certainly the most knowledgeable or, or wise person on the ship yeah it is it is weird when she's not around 
You know, it's a dynamic I would like to have seen written. And I'm not exactly sure how this would be handled, but... Um, wait, let me guess. Okay. Um... Uh, Data and Guinan. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, Data's technical knowledge versus Guinan's ephemeral wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, Some kind of, not necessarily a a conflict in the more violent sense of the word, but um, that being the primary issue within the episode. Maybe there's some kind of problem and Picard has to there's two different options based on Data's uh, know-how and Guinan's mm-hmm. life experience, and he has to choose between these, and it's a lot of talking to these characters and exploring the decision-making process. I, I think that'd be fun. Yeah, it's it's sort of like the uh, the conflict between the the written word and book smarts and then oral tradition, sort of. Right. And And kind of sagely wisdom. Yeah, I like that. It's a great idea. Maybe we'll, and, maybe uh, there's room for it on Dorf. Maybe, maybe. You know, we 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 brought data back once. We can do it again. Well, we can bring data back as often as we need to. We can literally yep. rebuild him. Mm-hmm. He is he is a robot. We'll we'll build him older and fatter than before. That's and that's that's why Gene made him the way he was to begin with because you know he was like twenty, thirty, forty years from now we can just make another one and have a whole new wave of merchandise. Very forward-thinking. You know, uh, we can have fat data action figures. It's just a uh, it's a beach ball that you blow up. <laughs> um. So. So. So I would be remiss if I did not tell this story, and I, I kind of want to interject just to get it in because it's okay. su- it's such a fun story. Um, okay. There's some scenes of Picard Prime. Um, in sick bay, just kind of um, strapped down to the table as he's yes, gradually I was actually about to. I was actually about to bring that up. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I, I, you and I both have the story in the mind. It's one of the more memorable memorable parts of filming. Um, mm-hmm. Picard Prime kind of looks like a baby bird that fell out of its <laughs> nest at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's disoriented. He's kind of like struggling to take in the world around him. It's a very convincing performance, and there's a reason for that. Um, before filming those shots, the director actually kind of dosed Patrick with some LSD unknowingly. Mm-hmm. So Patrick mm-hmm. was lying there, you know, experiencing this, this, this. Uh, I want to say high maybe for the first time, and had no idea what was going on. <laughs> And that translated to his face perfectly. It was, it was, yes. dare I say, the the most convincing performance um, throughout TNG. It was really good. Yeah. Um, and of course, you know, when, when you're a third party observer, you can't help but laugh at the situation as well. Right. Um, of course, Will got his hands on it, which I think I, I shouldn't need to explain. That's why we don't see him at all in this episode. We didn't see him for he, most of production. He had swirled he, himself he had away. A, yeah. I remember... Um, I forget why. I think it was after Patrick had kind of a, a, a visceral reaction to the LSD after filming. I had to go get the mop. And I opened the uh, the closet. And there was Will in there, just huddled up into the corner. <laughs> um, you know that, 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 that Cat's Cradle string game? 
He was like mm-hmm. holding that up. He had gotten naked by that point. It was very wild. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Um, still kick myself to this day that I wasn't there to see that. I it's I can I know I saw it. It's one of those things that I can barely believe happened. In, <laughs> you doubt your own memory with these things. Right, right. Yeah, no, um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if no one believed us about that. Which is fine. Maybe that one's just for us. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Um, so, God, the the meeting scene, right? Which one? There's a few. They have a meeting in the meeting room about about a meeting. Oh, it's it's yeah. <laughs> Jordy shows the video or whatever. Yes, yes, yes. I remarked that I liked this scene earlier. Okay, yeah. Um, Data says an hypothesis. Oof. Yeah. This um, is this is historical it, all over again. Yeah, and, and Worf brings up the theory of the Mobius. Right, right. I uh, this this which is actually a a call forward to Sonic the Hedgehog. Exactly. I know it's kind of out there, but it's it's true. Now, I really enjoyed the phrasing of that. That Worf, the warrior, it's, <laughs> apropos of nothing, brings up quote the theory of the Mobius, which is <laughs> very sagely phrasing. Well, he is he is a ranking Federation officer. I I must remind you so it, yes as, as stupid as Worf comes off he needs to just just for the sake of his position in that in that world he needs to be smart to some degree yes but, but yes you're right it's funny his role also is always captain why don't we blow it up and then someone comes <laughs> in we just punch the door <laughs> now Worf that would break your hand we can't do that and, and then, then a robot <laughs> comes over and knocks him out <laughs> Yeah, they always bring Worf along as, like, the muscle, and he's always the first to get overpowered as the yeah. sign that these guys are an actual threat. Yeah, so then Data has to save them. Right. <laughs> you know, Worf really got mogged here. Data is both the brains and the muscle of every operation. Yes. What Data I... could can solve any problem by himself. What... He, I mean, he eventually became a crutch. So what, what role does Worf actually have? He's the only one well, that is wearing the the beauty pageant winner sash. I think I think that's why we we spun off into several sort of Klingon focused plot lines yes. because then Worf could be the intermediary there. And you know what? I to be fair, I really enjoy those episodes. Oh, there's some of my favorites. That's next season, I think. Maybe season four. Yeah, they they start next season. Can't wait. Yeah. Now, here's a question. Klingons, um, they have this spike protruding from their shoes. Mm-hmm. That's apparently part of them. Like, their their the physiology, their feet have this bone spike thing that protrudes. Oh, really? Yes. However, Worf, in his shoes, as part of his Enterprise uniform, does not have that. Huh. So. So what, did he clip it off? Who knows? It might be just like a toenail. But it also might be a bone. I'm not sure. Oh shit, you're right. But this needs answering. And I won't be sated until uh, I've I've gotten my answer to this. Warf feet. Yeah, let's Google image warf feet. I did, nothing really comes up. Dang. What if what if we Google image Sonic the Hedgehog feet? 
Well, that's that's for a different podcast. That's true. That's true. Uh, be sure to tune in to the Blue Blurs. Uh, it goes up every Thursday. Mm-hmm. Any any what what else is on your mind for this episode? Do you have anything else? I I feel like we've I was been... shocked to discover they stick people to the bio beds with force fields. Yeah, that's uh for their own protection, they say. Mm-hmm. But to me, that would only exacerbate the mental uh, anguish and fright that someone in Picard Prime's position would be in. Yes, it, it would be concerning if you woke up completely delirious and found you couldn't move. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I don't really know what to say about that, other than it's kind of weird. Kind of strange. Yeah. Maybe the Enterprise uh, isn't as uh, morally good as we would like to believe. Or the Federation, mm. I should say. Yes, maybe there's uh, there's there's some, some gray spots here. Shades of the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a great way to put it. Uh... Yeah, what else? Um, when when Patrick goes to, in, in kind of the final scene with the two Picards, where one of them is trying to get into the shuttle, when Patrick goes and touches the computer console, it shakes. Did you notice that? <laughs> I did not notice that. I'm, yeah, I completely it, it just, believe it looks that like it's about to fall over. That's a lot it's of just... our sets, though. <laughs> this, this one was particularly bad. I'll have to rewatch that, because that sounds hilarious. Yeah, it is. It's really funny. Um, and I can't believe we used that shot, but whatever. because of how violently it shook. Yes, yeah. It, it it takes you right out of the episode. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise, that's it. We already kind of went over the ending and how we felt about it, and that hasn't changed over the course of our discussion, really. No, I have a question. Yeah, this is not very related to this episode in particular, though it does show up here. Do you have any opinions on how Riker walks when he's exiting a room? Like the, what is he like saunter? Well, here I can describe this to you exactly as it is. He puts his head down, and he he it's like his head is angled down, but he's still looking forward. Yeah. And then he kind of does this this swagger walk um, out of the room, and he does yeah. he, he does this every time he exits a scene without fail. Yeah, well, I think I think Frakes kind of had the the same three moves that he did. Yes, yes, certainly um, the eyebrow raise, the the swagger walk, and the chair, the chair, the yeah. chair. Um, so, I guess it was probably something I just got used to. Hmm. I've I've never found it like uh, offensive or weird or interesting or anything like that. It just kind of is. It's none of those things. I, I like Riker. I know you so, do. I like Riker, and I like I like I like Frakes' portrayal of Riker. So um, it, it's all kind of just cute to me. It's one of those things that it does is not detracting from anything. However, um, when you watch TNG, if you're looking for this, the Riker exit scene walk, you'll find mm. it at, like two or three times per episode, and um, <laughs> it's amazing to me. I can't unsee it. It's one of those things. I'll have to keep my eye open for it next time. And keep one eyebrow cocked. Uh, I'll have to sleep with one eye open. Sleep with a tooth under your pillow if you want some free money. Mm -hmm. That never worked for me. Uh, well, did you um, tell your parents that you had a tooth under there? That's a key part of the process. Oh, really? Yes. What do they have to do with anything? I don't. I don't need a middleman. 
Well, I mean, it's they relay the message to the parties that should hear about it. Well, maybe, maybe I'll tell you next time one of my teeth falls out. You can do that. You you could you could tell me when last time I had a teeth that fell out, I called my mom and I said, "Mom, uh, you'll never believe this. One of my teeth uh, fell out. I'm gonna put it under my pillow." She said, "Okay," and um, mm. next day I had a quarter. It was pretty good. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Damn, she's 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 what now? 103. <laughs> yeah, about. Um, her birthday's in November, so she'll be 103 soon. But what's? Wow. She lives in Maine, just other side of the country. So I was really impressed that she was able to get uh, the message relayed to the appropriate parties with uh, mm-hmm. that amount of speed. Wow. She uh, she's one hell of a woman. Indeed. Indeed. That's what my father always said. Yep. And I said, Dad, I don't want to hear about that. Hey, oh. Hey, oh. The aquarium in the ready room seems to be missing fish. I'm trying to remember what episode. You're not going to remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know our fishmonger. Um, yeah. We, a lot of, lot of stories with him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what was going on this episode. I guess maybe we just didn't have the budget for it. Now, is it possible that the fish were just in the back of the tank? They could have been hiding. I don't. I don't remember what it was like on set for this episode too too well. So you know what I think. What it's it was? Possible. We didn't have anybody on hand to do the fish's makeup, so they weren't ready to to come on camera. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, and then and then you need um you need someone to kind of coax them out and make them do the tricks. Exactly, the trainer. Yeah. Who's so. a different person from the monger. The monger supplies yes. the trainer. These are all trainers. three different people. Yes. Yes. It takes a lot of interlocking gears to get a production TV ready. Yeah. Fish fish aren't uh, known as the the best actors. Well, you know what they say in Hollywood, never work with children or fish. Right. Right. There's a reason for that. Yeah. Fish aren't the best actors, but they are the best dinners. Mhm. And they're uh, they're the best band, indeed, indeed. The Readier Room is a big fan of Fish. Look for us at this year's um, Fish Halloween show in Las Vegas. We'll have a small meetup booth, and you can uh, get get your get your Readier get yourself Readier while you're jamming out. Yeah, and if you can't find us, just start asking around. I mean, someone should know where we are. Right. Usually, we're next to the fellowship booth. If you, if you know them, mm-hmm. um, we're a big we're big supporters of a drug free, sober experience. Um, yeah, I, I've always said that Trek is my drug. Yes, yes, and you know what a great time to be watching Trek at 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 a fish show. Yes, um, you kind of do some pre gaming, watch some of your favorite TNG episodes. Well, and then just go wild. I don't think we need to mention the the fish TNG connection. No, I don't think we do. So we won't. Yeah. Okay. I think that's going to about do it for our discussion of this episode. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, I still really liked it. My opinion did not waver over our discussion. In fact, I didn't listen to a word you said. Mm-hmm. My opinion also did not waver. I still don't like it very much. I guess we'll agree to disagree. Oh, I was finished. Ah, 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 okay. 
Well, that's going to lead us into my question for you today. Okay. So we're still we're still dealing with uh, with this Mirror Universe comic uh, about a Captain Picard with a beard who is evil. Yes. Um, and there is a connection between these two things. Now, I do want to point out, I saw an episode of CNG recently that featured a an evil bearded Picard. Oh. Um, the Future Imperfect. I don't know if you remember this okay. one. It's a Riker episode where Riker, um, first he's duped into believing. Yes, yes I remember this. Uh, he's duped. Yes, I remember it. No, because no, no, it took me a minute to, but I, yes, I remember this. Don't spoil it for the ensign. All yes. right, all right. So at some, yeah. then, you know, I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But that, that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. we'll, we'll talk about it eventually. Eventually. Uh, but yes, I know which one you're talking about. Um, so um, this issue, Picard is revealed to be keeping for the purpose of consultation he's keeping what you might call a creature what you might call a character inside a big locked like box like huge box in like some kind of storage room okay and the whole idea is that when he needs to consult with someone he goes down to that box and looks through the window and talks to this character okay and this is a character that you know um, and my question is, who is it? Guinan. Yeah, it's Guinan. Nailed it. Maybe a little too easy, but Guinan in this universe is just a crazy person who is like totally disheveled and like is 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 completely feral, but for some reason is still extremely sage-like. I don't know. I kind of. And Picard needs her around. I can see it. I can see the when you want to. So obviously, all of the characters in the mirror universe maintains some of their personality traits but they're twisted yeah and i think yeah. a good twist on the the sagely um wise soft-spoken character is the raving lunatic who's who's <laughs> right two times a day like a broken clock right right and, and the uh, mad uh, prophet of course she's she's not there by choice either picard captured her and has imprisoned her in right. order to talk to her um yeah i i guess i guess i don't disagree with that yeah, so that's A, I'm a fucking genius for getting that right. Mm -hmm. B, I can see that characterization. Um that yeah. that seems like a pretty natural place for that this comic to land. Uh I imagine yeah. Picard is one step away from backhanding it across the face, this guy in probably that seems to be how he interfaces with most of these characters. Well most of these characters do have to beat each other up at some point, so or kill each other. Right. You said Barclay kills uh um Yar. Yar. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. He just kills her with a knife. I think that was one of the holodeck programs that Barclay ran in proper team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. And then and then he gets to he gets to have sex with uh with Troy. Uh I was gonna say the body. Oh, well yeah, you know, could do that too. Barclay would be into that kind of thing. Yeah, we like Barclay. We stand. Yeah, we love him. Mm -hmm. We stand. All right, well, I guess that'll about do it for this edition of the Readier Room. Um, All right. This was among the readiest rooms that we've done. Mm -hmm. um, and I implore everyone listening to come join us again next week where things where we ratchet up the ready readiness, the readierness. Mm -hmm. And uh, until then, everyone, 
in your own homes, in your own lives, in your own abodes, and in your own dim modes, please stay ready. The troublesome little man child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. Beginning, 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 beginning.